The current coronavirus pandemic has the entire world on edge. Many are asking, is this a judgment of God? Is it the beginning of the Great Tribulation? Will it lead to the end of the world as we know it? Is it a sign of Christ's soon return? Unfortunately, wild speculation is running out of control faster than the virus itself. Stay tuned for some down-to-earth biblical answers to the questions people are asking about the pandemic. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My two colleagues, Nathan Jones and Tim Moore, are primed to answer your spiritual questions about the pandemic that is sweeping the entire world. Fellas, let's jump right into this with the first question. And the first question is this. Some people are saying this pandemic is a judgment of God. But isn't God a God of love? And if so, how could He be responsible for something so horrible? Isn't the God of wrath and judgment the God of the Old Testament? Well, fellas, as you can see, this first question has a whole lot of questions within it. For example, it's asking what is the nature of God? Is the God of the Old Testament different from the God of the New Testament? Can bad events ever be attributed to God? Shouldn't Satan be the one blamed for this pandemic? Let me read the major question again for you to ponder and our audience. And that question is this. Some people are saying this pandemic is a judgment of God, but isn't God a God of love? And if so, how could He be responsible for something so horrible? Isn't the God of wrath and judgment the God of the Old Testament? Okay, who goes first? Well, that's a, a very deep question, and we have just a little bit of time. But and I think you're we ready can, to jump in the deep water. Well, I'm huh? ready to jump in. <laughs> Obviously, we know from Scripture that God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. And as a matter of fact, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So He has not changed from the Old Testament to the New. The same God who called people to repentance, sometimes through pouring out judgment, leading to repentance, is the same God today who offers salvation through Jesus Christ. So you're denying a fundamental uh, on idea that many, many people have, and that is that the God of the Old Testament is one thing and the God of the New Testament is a different thing, that they, He changed. Absolutely denying that. The scripture and, denies that. And one of the fundamental characteristics of God is what the theologians call His immutability. Immutable, never changes. Exactly so. I like the verse uh, when it talks about I was unchanging, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Tim said. He's not changing. The God of the Old Testament, it's interesting how many people will come up and say, well, the God of the Old Testament, He's angry. It's like that old Simpsons episode where Homer was like, <laughs> God is always angry. Well, He was angry because the people were always in rebellion against Him, but you would see His love because He would come and, and try to use judgments to pull the people back to Him. And it's the same God then as is we have today. Well, they say, well, Jesus is different. No, He's a God of love. He must be totally different than God. But now we're talking about the Trinity, and that can get pretty deep. It sort of can. And obviously, even in the Old Testament, the way that people such as Abraham, Moses, David, were credited with righteousness was not because they were holy in and of themselves, but God credited to them 
righteousness because they believed God. That's exactly what it says regarding Abraham. It says the same thing about Noah and others. They believed God, and therefore He credited them with righteousness. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that He is the Son of God and offers salvation, and we are credited with righteousness as well. And I love that you brought up holiness because God's holiness is the foundation for all His other characteristics. Yes. Holy means to be set apart, to be pure. Uh, Revelation 15, 4 says, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And then we've got the four living creatures, the seraphim, that sit in front of the throne of God. And day and night they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. The fact that He's absolutely pure and that He's absolutely holy is the foundation for the fact that then God can judge sin because He's sinless. Well, and He is not only loving, which is something that is emphasized from New Testament Christians, but He is also just. He is merciful, but He is holy, which means that He is a jealous God. He will not tolerate idolatry. And many people today are worshiping a, a false God of their own making who only has the attributes they like instead of the true and living God of Scripture. Well, uh, can bad events ever be attributed to God? Well, it depends upon what you'd consider a bad event. Let's use the most uh, extreme example of a bad event in all of human history. I would declare that that is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because the absolute Son of God was crucified. He was killed. From man's perspective, that is a horrible event, and it truly was. But it's also a glorious event because it proves that Jesus laid down His life. It was not taken from Him, and so it was part of God's plan. And so many other events in human history, God did indeed orchestrate to bring about people's repentance and to bring them back to Him. When people say that nothing evil, nothing bad, nothing, you know, uh, that would upset people and, and get them fear and panic could ever come from God is just nonsense. It because is nonsense. God destroyed the entire earth with water. Yes, He did. Right. And Look that wasn't Satan doing that, that was God doing it. It certainly was. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah had the same outcome yeah. of uh, destruction. Psalm 711 says, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. So praise the Lord that God is actually angry with our sin. There's, you love to use the term a cosmic teddy bear. That God just, <laughs> he does, oh, he just forgives you. I, I remember was, uh, I was getting my hair cut and a lesbian hair cutter and she was telling me that, oh, she does enough good. She'll get into heaven. God will let her in because, you know, for her, her God is a loving God who, who just, winks at sin and, and does it. But we know that God is a just God. And so when you say do good things or bad things happen, it all is based really on God's sovereignty. Who's in charge of the universe? You have a weak God if God isn't in charge of everything. Now, I'd like to think of God's sovereignty as God's driving the car and we're the passengers. We can move around in the car. Sometimes God will stop and we can get out of the car for gas and get back in. But we're always going to end up at that destination, which is final judgment, a judgment of the righteous, which is a good thing if you're a Christian, and a bad thing, a judgment of the great white throat judgment, which will send the unrighteous into everlasting punishment. So when you say good or bad, I think you're absolutely right. That's a relative statement. It is. And I think the other thing to consider is too many Christians think, well, we just get off the hook. God is not going to pour out wrath on us. And we think that the wrath of God just evaporates. No, the wrath of God that each of us deserves, even Christians, yes. was poured out. It was poured out on Jesus Christ. And so he laid down his life. That was God's plan. And Satan thought he had won, of course, at Calvary. But no, the Lord planned for Jesus Christ to lay down his life. And all of us who have put our trust in him, our wrath, the wrath that we are due, was poured out onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Nathan, Christ. you mentioned uh, 
that God does have wrath over our sins. But one good thing about it is He sure is patient. He absolutely Listen to is. these words from Nahum. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries and He reserves wrath for His enemies. The Lord though is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Amen. Amen. That Amen. ties in with James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That verse tells us that God is unchanging and that God is loving. So what kind of God, if we are humans made in the image of God, do we, are we always loving? Are we always, well, we forgive every kind of sin? Do we don't believe in justice? Yet we assume that God has to be that. But God, we are made in His image. We believe in justice and we believe in love and mercy. And God is the ultimate in that. From a spiritual viewpoint, what do you think is the message of the pandemic that's going on in the world today? Is there a message or is this just uh, an event of nature? Go ahead, Blake. Well, I've heard three theories. All right. uh, the Trump's deal of the century with Israel, where he's tried to divide the land of Israel. There's quite a number of Christians right now saying, well, this is God's judgment on the world for yet again trying to judge the nation of Israel. Uh, there's also the uh, rampant abortion. I don't want to minimize the amount of people who have died from COVID-19, but in the last three months from March to uh, January to March of 2020, Nine million babies have been aborted, so maybe this worldwide, is God's yes. way of You're uh, stopping about worldwide? that. Worldwide, yes, worldwide, worldwide. Nine China million is the leader in the world. Oh, absolutely, three hundred million abortions to their name, and then you've got the idea that well, Trump got up and during this uh, State of the Union address in 2020 and just bragged about how awesome he is and how wonderful America is and very rarely gave thanks to God. So there are others who are saying, well, maybe this is a judgment like on Nebuchadnezzar for not giving the proper attention to God. There's one thing so, God hates is pride. He I mean, does. He hates it with a passion. And uh, the, word, the Bible itself says that pride goes before a fall. Now, I don't well, know I've how... got another theory for okay. you that you didn't mention. And sure. I, think, I think that maybe it is a... Um, worldwide uh, remedial judgment that God is using to call the, the whole world to repentance Amen. before the Great Tribulation. I think we are right at the threshold of the Great Tribulation. All the signs of the times are converging. It's indication that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. And I think that God's fundamental purpose in this pandemic is to draw people to repentance that they might be saved. Even when God pours out His wrath, His fundamental purpose is always to bring people to salvation. And many people are sitting at home right now <laughs> probably yes. thinking about eternity and they never thought about it before. I think you're exactly right. And in Luke chapter 13, Jesus was asked about some people who suffered a tragic fate as they were worshiping in Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, Pilate and the Roman soldiers uh, created a bloodbath there in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, well, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking perhaps they were more wicked and deserving of that kind of fate. He said they were no more wicked than anyone else, any more than the people who lived in the city of Siloam when a tower fell upon them and 13 were killed. They're no different either. And his bottom line lesson in both of those episodes was to say, and I'll quote uh, the Lord Himself, I tell you, no, meaning they're no more wicked, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He said it again, if you do not repent, you will all likewise perish. And so that is the lesson for us today. We cannot know exactly why 
The Lord has allowed certain yeah, things. We can't read his book. mind. No, yeah. Job yeah. wanted to ask the Lord a few questions. Oh, yeah. You know, why he am did. I suffering? <laughs> but the interesting thing is the Lord never answered those questions. He, he never said, does. He just says the righteous shall live by faith. Exactly right. And look at Habakkuk. He yeah. wanted to know God's plans. And God says, well, you're just not going to believe them you if I told you, sir. Yeah. Just trust me. And I think that's it for the church. I mean, what time period have we ever lived in where all of churches have to stay at home but he's given us the technology Well, I want to, to get connect. into that in the second half of okay. our uh, program. Because it's exciting. Right now, let me just uh, conclude this section by saying that one of the persons I respect most is Ed Heinsohn at Liberty University. And he put out a, uh, an analysis of the whole thing that was very great, but there was something in it that jumped out at me. He said, is God responsible for the pandemic? And he said, no. And I wrote him and I said, you explain that to me. How can God be sovereign and you say no? because God is sovereign. He could stop this. He could stop it from every beginning. He could contain it to China. He could stop it tomorrow. God is sovereign. He said, well, here's the reason I said that. He said, certainly this is under the sovereignty of God. But he said, I said, God's not responsible because man is the one responsible. Mm. It is his sins that has caused this to and come And even our original world. sin that caused God to create a curse upon the whole world. Yes. And we're still feeling ramifications of that here. How many millennia later. And yeah. so it, uh, we're the ones responsible. Our sins have caused it. And we are the ones that God is speaking to and saying, come to me in repentance. I will forgive it all and you can spend Amen. eternity with me. Well, folks, uh, we are going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at a different aspect of the pandemic, namely, how should we as Christians respond to it? Greetings in the name of Jesus. The staff at Lamb & Lion Ministries is very blessed and encouraged by the faithful support of all our Prophecy Partners who generously donate to this ministry every month. Your donations allow us to proclaim the soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ through our television show, Christ in Prophecy, and through our magazine, website, conferences, and the many ministries we support, both domestic and international. If you are not partnering with us and would like to, we invite you to do so for a donation of just $25 a month or a one-time donation of $300 a year. As a Prophecy Partner, you will receive six issues of our exciting magazine, The Lamplighter, and six other, including either publications or videos. One of those gifts will be our annual Holy Land Calendar. Please partner with us to share the good news of Jesus' return. Call the number on your screen or go onto our website and become a Prophecy Partner today. I'm Todd Hutchinson with Lamb & Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of the spiritual meaning of the pandemic. I want to shift our attention now to a discussion of the proper Christian response to the pandemic. But before I do so, there's two quick questions I want to throw at you that people keep asking us. Number one, is this the beginning of the tribulation? I would say it is not the beginning of the tribulation, but this is a lead in to the tribulation. We know from Scripture that in the time leading to the tribulation there will be birth pangs. And the Lord Himself talks about earthquakes and, and famines. And in one reference in Luke, He talks about uh, pandemics or pestilence that will come upon the world. And so these are going to be birth pangs that will happen with more frequency and more intensity. So well, that this just is leads to another question for you, and that is, then how do we know when does the tribulation begin? 
Well, the book of Daniel tells us flat out that the Antichrist, this one world ruler, will rise by making a peace covenant with the many, or meaning the Israel. The moment he makes that covenant, that we're it, into it. You can That's count it. seven years today yeah. Yeah. of 30 day months leading up to Jesus' second coming. Clearly, there's no one world rule, ruler right now, but I totally agree with Tim. Uh, not only pandemic, but fearful events is one of the signs Jesus gave in Luke 21. All right, very quickly, another question Is this the end of the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Well, the Bible has been calling the church age the end of the world for a long time, so that, that part can be made. But I think we're the end of the end of the world. <laughs> but even though the tribulation after it, the rapture comes, we still know there's a thousand-year millennial kingdom right. after that. So it's really hard to argue when the end of the end of the world is, but it might be, as Noah learned, the end of an age. And I believe we're certainly near fact, the end uh, of an age. And in effect, the world really doesn't end because uh, even at the end of the millennium, we get a new heavens and a new earth, and we're going to spend eternity on a new earth. Right. So okay. the end of the age, yeah. I would okay. say, definitely okay. is. All right. Well, let's get back to uh, the uh, other aspect of this I want to discuss, and that is uh, what should be the attitude of Christians toward this pandemic? So jump in there, fellas. I think the attitude of Christians should be the same as the attitude of people who are righteous in Scripture. So I'll use Daniel as an example. When Daniel recognized the signs of his times and recognized that the Lord was about to relent of the judgment on His people, bring them back, Daniel went into his own prayer chamber and prayed. And he prayed a prayer of repentance for himself and, and for his, his people. Wow. And, and what's this was interesting, the most righteous man in the land. Exactly. The most righteous man Even in the land. Jesus said he was one of the top two. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Daniel, there's no recorded uh, flaws in his character, unlike many of the other greats in Scripture. King David, for yeah. instance, oh, yeah. was very, uh, <laughs> flawed. very flawed. <laughs> and just like all of us. Daniel, we know, was flawed because he was a mortal human being. But that's not recorded in terms of delineating his flaws. But when he saw that he was living in a season of the Lord's fulfillment of a promise, a prophecy, he prayed a prayer of repentance. I think every one of us, and so my family has been modeling this. You know, you mentioned the fact that there are abortions all around the world. How much have we as Christians tolerated that is absolutely intolerable? How much have we prayed for our leaders, for our fellow neighbors and, and people all around us who are lost and heading toward oblivion. And so I need to repent for sometimes my lack of concern, even for those around me, and for tolerating things that should never have been allowed to happen in this country. And then as a society, we obviously should repent. Nathan, uh, what about Scripture that might give people some calm and, and uh, who are feeling panic or, or fear? You know, when, when I... I knew the head of you were going to ask that, and this verse immediately popped to mind, so I hope the Lord is uh, leading me to this one, but it's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. But basically what it's saying is as Christians, we're not to have a spirit of fear. People should be looking at us and seeing that we have confidence in the Lord. We have we abide in Him. We trust in Him. So we have love and we have trust. And then we share that with others to bring other people to Jesus Christ. The book Christ. of Hebrews says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Absolutely. People should be looking at Christians saying, why do you have joy? Why do you have peace? I mean, we're all panicking and, and we're seeing right at, at this phase, there's a little scared and everybody's getting together. But if should things continue to get worse and worse, we're going to start seeing fear. We're going to start seeing uh, unchristian behavior. And we as Christians need to show the love of Christ and Amen. be examples. I think the Lord Himself gave us a command. We don't look at it as a command sometimes, but it is. And He said in John chapter 14, verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. 
Yes. Believe in God, believe also in me. And that's when he said he went to his father's house to prepare a place for us. And so we as Christians should not be troubled. We should not be easily swayed. And I'll use a personal example of how impactful that can be to others. My sister Rachel and her husband David, who is a pastor as well, uh, had a tragedy befall them several years ago. They had a little boy named Jacob who was born with a heart defect. He lived just a, a handful of days before he, he died. Oh. And that is a tragic circumstance for any mother and father, for a family, and yet their peace and their testimony of faith in the Lord through that moment of tragedy was so tremendous that I'll never forget, they had a neighbor, a family that was Hindu, and they said, how can you be so at peace? You've lost a child, a little baby, an innocent baby. And they said, that's because we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this family said, we don't have that kind of comfort. We don't have that kind of peace in the midst of, of a traumatic event. Well, folks, we're seeing a traumatic event on a national stage, an international stage, and it should be Christians who manifest that level of peace, not allowing our hearts to be troubled because we know Jesus Christ. Not only Christ. do they not have peace, but uh, for example, Hindu people hire professional mourners to come and scream and yell and cry yes. and carry on. And, and we have the hope of life eternal. Yes, you know? we do. And I'd also add what Jesus said, be ready, watch the signs. We know as Christians from reading the Bible that we are living in, as you said, the end of this age, the end times. We know that the signs of the times, like you said, are increasing in frequency and intensity. So we need to be watchful and anticipatory. We know these things are going to happen. We, we know these things are going to happen. So knowing that they're happening then, we need to get others to know it so they too can be excited that Jesus has returned. Well, I tell you what, one of the things that uh, I appreciate Al Mohler uh, kind of taught me is sometimes to pray with a Bible in one hand and a hymnal in the other. Because hymns, just like David's Psalms, allow our hearts to cry out. This morning we had a prayer time even here at the ministry, and in one instance we didn't even have the words to put into a prayer. But we said, Lord, we know your Holy Spirit will utter the words on our behalf. Sometimes hymnists have done that. And so here's a hymn from a lady named Priscilla Owens. She was a Scottish immigrant who lived in this country over 100 years ago up until the Spanish uh, flu pandemic of 1918 through 1920. And she has a song called, Will Your Anchor Hold in the Storms of Life? And she asked this question in the first stanza, Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? And then this is the refrain. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And indeed we do, and we should demonstrate that to a world that is fraught with panic and peril and anxiety all around us. In my morning devotions right now, I'm reading through the Old Testament and I'm at Joshua. And I noticed that uh, when Joshua got ready to go into the Promised Land, uh, he was scared to death. <laughs> and the thing that the Lord kept saying to him over and over, I mean, it's just like a broken record. Three over times. and over and over, the Lord says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Amen. And you know it's beautiful? Even when He gave His first command to the people of Israel, 
their response to him was echoing what the Lord had already spoken to his heart. They said, be strong and courageous. What an affirm affirmation that the Lord was in the midst of them all. Well, those are wonderful words of comfort. And uh, I, uh, any other scriptures come to mind? I mean, there, there's so many that we could refer to there that, are. that people need to know. I love Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any cre other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He pretty much named every natural disaster that you could possibly yeah. go through yes. in life and heartache and misery, but nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Well, the one Amen. I want to leave people with in this particular section is one that really changed my life. And uh, we have to realize that we're not only facing a health pandemic, but I believe that when this health pandemic is over, we're going to be facing an even greater crisis, and that is the collapse of our economy. Yeah. And we're going to see people massively unemployed all over the place. So this is not, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel on this particular one yet. So we need to, people need to, to mark this verse and read it every day. And that is uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 5 and verse 6. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. We have a personal God who cares for you. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Nathan, how about uh, telling our viewers uh, about some of the resources you have on the website concerning the pandemic? Absolutely. Well, folks, I'd like to invite you to our website at lamblion.com or christinprophecy.org. Right on the homepage, we have a pandemic graphic. Click that, and that'll take you to our pandemic page. And we have all sorts of articles. Uh, we're going to have a special magazine, Lamplighter Magazine, that's dedicated to the pandemic. We have Truth Will Set You Free podcast where Vic Batista and I discuss. We have many articles by Tim Moore about the pandemic. If you're looking for a place to go, also on our YouTube channel, we've started a new short video series called Prophetic Perspectives, and we give a one, two, three-minute devotional to help you during this time. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I hope it has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, I hope that you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. For more information about how to cope with the problems of this world and even to overcome them, you need to get a copy of Dr. Reagan's book, Living for Christ in the End Times. This book was originally published in the year 2000. Dr. Reagan completely updated it in a second edition that was published in 2015. It has proved so popular that the second edition has since gone through a second printing. In this book, Dr. Reagan spells out in detail the two major challenges facing Christians today, the exponential deterioration of society and the rapidly growing apostasy in the church. He then presents in detail 10 ways in which believers living in these end times can cope with these challenges and others like them. Those 10 ways are standing on the Word of God, believing in the power of God, relying on the Holy Spirit, practicing tough faith, ordering your priorities, keeping an eternal perspective, standing for righteousness, persisting in prayer, surrendering in worship, and clinging to hope. 
He concludes the book with a section titled The Victory Over Paganism. It is in this section that he provides an overview of the signs of the times that indicate that we are living in the season of the Lord's return when he will bring peace, righteousness, and justice to the sin-sick world. The book runs 327 pages in length and is written in Dr. Reagan's down-to-earth, easy-to-understand style. You can get a copy of the book for a donation of $20 or more by placing your order through our website at lamblion.com or by calling our office at the number you see on the screen. If you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. And in addition to the book, we will send you a free copy of this special edition of our magazine, which contains articles by Dr. Reagan and Colonel Tim Moore about the coronavirus pandemic. These articles will help you to understand the spiritual implications of this worldwide epidemic. The book and the magazine can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just ask for offer number 920. Again, you can place your order through our website at lamblion.com or by calling our office at the number you see on the screen. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.